All right, everyone on your feet for the reading of the word real quick. This is from Colossians 3 and Psalm 105. And we stand for the reading of the word out of respect for the scriptures, if you can. It says this, starting in Colossians 3, and then we'll jump into Psalm 105. It says, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And this is Psalm 105. Give thanks to the Lord and proclaim his greatness. Let the whole world know what he has done. Sing to him, yes, sing his praises. Tell everyone about his wonderful deeds. Exalt his holy name. Rejoice, you who worship the Lord. Seek, search for the Lord and for his strength. Continually seek him. Remember the wonders he has performed, his miracles and his rulings he has given. You children of his servant Abraham, you descendants of Jacob, his chosen ones. Amen. Amen. Grab a seat. Welcome home, everyone. So happy to see you. If you don't know me, um, my name is David. I'm one of your pastors here. I also get to sing every once in a while, and it's a blast. I just love being able to support the worship ministry here at the church. Aren't you so happy to be able to come into God's house and sing praises to his name? Amen? Amen. Hey, just two quick things before we get into the message. Number one. Um, we, uh, at a previous members meeting, we talked about having more regular financial updates, and so I don't want this to be like a whole nother thing here, but uh, if you just want to throw this up on the screen for me, Gavin, just wanted to give you a quick financial update for how things are going up until this point. It's two months in um, on, our, on our year, and we are $72 in the black. Not too bad, right? And so um, if this is your church and you give, thank you. If this is your church and you don't, you should. In a couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about that. Let me explain why we do what we do. Um, but, uh, but I know that, I know that it can be, uh, I know that it can be a little stressful. And I also know that sometimes when we show up, we're like, man, you know, everything is going great. They don't need what I have to offer. But I just want to tell you that you need what you have to offer. We give not just to support what God is doing, but we give to correct our heart posture of generosity. And so thank you. As a church that has now made it through a, a two-year, two-and-a-half-year period of, of disruption, interruption, kind of this, this new cultural gray zone that we find ourselves in, I'm so grateful for you. So grateful for your generosity, so keep it up. Thank you. Next thing, and you can clear that off. Next thing, um, I know I talk a lot about being here and like celebrating gathering for church, but I'm going to be gone with my family for the next two Sundays after today. Um, we're going on vacation, and so just pray for us. Um, the last two and a half years have been a lot, and we get to get away for about 10 days and just chill. You know what I'm saying? And so we're really excited about it. Um, and the last couple of years we've been able to go, but it's always been kind of this like, oh, we got to get our masks and get tested, all these different things. And now it's just we're able to just go and relax and have a good time. And I'm hoping, you can pray for this too, I'm hoping to teach my kids how to swim on this trip. And so California kids, we got to get them ready to go. All right, are you feeling good? Everyone good? Okay. Uh, well, we are on week six of this extended series, Let Me Explain. We're talking about why we do what we do the way we do here at, at the church, why we do things as Christians, like go to church every week and read our Bibles and get baptized and take communion. Why do we do what we do? And today, as we continue this series of conversations, really, we'll be covering what I would say is one of the most polarizing, but simultaneously the most unifying practices of the church, and that is singing. 
So let me explain why we sing at church. Because singing is, uh, it's kind of an interesting thing, right? I mean, music is everywhere, for example. Music's everywhere, from concerts to cafes and commercials. You walk into a mall or hop on an elevator. There is music, and it's everywhere, and it's awesome. I mean, who loves music? Raise your hand real quick if you like music. Thank you. Music is awesome, and it carries with it this power to remind us of moments and, and even help form preferences because of the moments we experience. Fun fact, did you know that for the vast majority of people, um, our favorite music will always be what we listened to and experienced in our 20s? Yes, there we go. <laughs> because it's in our 20s that we experience some of our most defining moments. And music meets us in those times. So anyway, music's amazing. I've always loved music. But, but even with the music and the impact that music has on us, bringing it back around to singing here, most of the music we experience is a one-way street. It's received. It's passively observed. In our everyday lives, we almost never contribute to the music we hear out in the world, right? And sure, I know that some of you like to sing in the shower. Robert, I know, right? The acoustics are perfect in there, right? I know that some of you, like, uh, we like to sing the happy birthday song. We actually have a birthday in the house today. How do you feel? Can we celebrate? Can we celebrate your birthday today? This is her second time here, and I'm, and I'm making her very uncomfortable by pointing her out. So can you, can you just remind me of your name one more time? Abigail. Abigail. We're going to sing happy birthday to Abigail today, okay? Because this is what we do. So let's sing together. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Abigail. Happy birthday to you. This is your second week. Just imagine what's going to happen on week three, you know what I mean? You get cinnamon rolls for your birthday. So we sing in the shower, we sing happy birthday, we, we stand and we sing the Star Spangled Banner at Dodger Games. And, and, and so it, it's, it's there, but, but it, it, when was the last time you regularly sang with your friends when you were out for dinner? Carter, don't answer that question. <laughs> when was the last time you went to a movie and you sang the song with your family? When was the last time you sang with random strangers at the zoo? When was the last time on your 15-minute break at work you all gathered in the break room and you decided to sing your favorite show tunes? Like, I know that we live in L.A., but this is not common. For the majority of us, while our world might be very musical, it's fair to say our lives are not a musical. So the practice of singing and creating and participating in the music we experience in a, a large group setting is pretty rare. That is, of course, until Sunday rolls around, right? So Monday through Saturday, we consume Music, but then all of a sudden on Sunday we show up and for half the service we're on our feet standing in rows with a hundred of our favorite friends, family, and strangers. And, we're, and we open our mouths and, and we sing, but, but not just sing. Like we sing and we're supposed to feel good about singing. Every Sunday, and it's just, it's just what we do, but why? Have you ever wondered why we, we sing at church? Because I think most of the people outside of these doors, beyond these beautiful windows, have no idea beyond tradition, 
what we do. Music might make sense because it's everywhere, but why do we contribute to the song on Sundays? Why do we sing? Let's discover together. And just for a sake of clarity, if anyone's wondering, um, before we begin, for the sake of defining terms, at any point during the message, when I say the words worship, singing, and sometimes song, they can all be kind of used interchangeably. Um, obviously, worship is more than singing, and singing can be done without worship, but for the sake of time, if I say singing in the church context from the Bible, that is what I mean. Amen? Amen. Okay, so where did singing come from, and why do we do it? Well, singing and songs and worship is, is actually woven all throughout the scriptures, but we see it first at the very, uh, the very first song in our Bibles in the book of Exodus chapter 15. It'll be on the screen in just a second. Check this out. So it's immediately after God rescued Israel from captivity. They made their way through the Red Sea, walked on dry land so the waters parted. And as soon as they reached the other shore, they turned around and watched as the walls of water came and collapsed on Pharaoh's army. And this is where it starts, verse 15. It says, Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. He has hurled both horse and rider into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. Yahweh is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and army he has hurled into the sea. The finest of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters gush over them. They sank to the bottom like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, is glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, smashes the enemy. Jump down to verse 11. Who is like you among the gods, O Lord, glorious in holiness, awesome in splendor, performing great wonders? You raised your right hand, and the earth swallowed our enemies. With your unfailing love, you lead the people you have redeemed. In your might, you guide them to your sacred home. Verse 17, we're almost done. You will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain, the place, O Lord, reserved for your, your own dwelling. The sanctuary, O Lord, that your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. Has anyone heard that? Where do we get it? The Lord. Okay. Verse 20. Then Miriam the prophet, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine. We saw a tambourine up here just a moment ago. And led all the women as they played their tambourines and danced. And Miriam sang this song. Sing to the Lord. For he has triumphed gloriously. He has hurled both horse and rider into the sea. And this, this is the first congregational sing-along we find in the Bible. But it's certainly not the last. In fact, the word sing appears more than 400 times in the Bible with a direct command to sing together more than 50 times. And it starts in Exodus 15. But here are just a few more to help bring it home. we got a lot of Bible today. I hope you're ready. From Psalm 96, it says, Sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Each day proclaim the good news that he saves. Publish his glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone about the amazing things he does. Psalm 149. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing his praises in the assembly of the faithful. Psalm 150. 
Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heaven. Praise him for his mighty works. Praise his unequaled greatness. Praise him with the blast of the ram's horn. Praise him with the lyre and harp. Verse 4. Praise him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise him with strings and flutes. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with the loud clanging cymbals. Verse 6. Let everything that breathes... Sing praises to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Psalm 103. We're still going here. We're still going. Hold on. Hold on. We'll save the applause for the end here. Psalm 103. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will praise my God to my last breath. May all my thoughts be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. Here's the New Testament. James 5. Are any of you suffering hardship? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Two more. Ephesians 5. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, Pentecost, singing praises and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And this is it from Zephaniah 3, one of my favorites. For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm your fears. And he will rejoice over you with joyful songs. So here we have music, horns, cymbals, flutes, harps, lyres, tambourines, and, and some dancing. And then we see the singing kick in here. And this is the practice for God's people of worship and participation in the song. And while what we just read is not prescriptive, meaning that there's no specific formula for how, we, how this plays out publicly because we're not baking a cake here, so even though it's not prescriptive, what we also see is that this practice of con contribution, of singing along, is also not optional. There has never been a time, friends, over the course of the story of Israel into the era of the church, there has never been a time where, where singing was not the standard in worship. Singing has always been one of the most important, commanded, active practices for God's people. But why? Let me explain. And I want to look at singing from two different angles, much like last week. We're going to, look at, we're going to approach it from the literal, and we're going to approach it from the practical. The literal and the practical. And, and so first, literally, from 30,000 feet... Above looking down, we sing as God's people, according to the scriptures, because God told us to. We sing because God told us to. We see this again and again and again. Sing to the Lord a new song. The whole world, sing to the Lord. Let everything that has breath sing. Praise us to God. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. This is literally why we sing at church, because God told us to. God has given this active instruction more than 50 times throughout the word to not worship him passively by simply listening to the songs of others, but rather the expectation is that we would all contribute, that we would all sing regardless of if you know how to, regardless if you can't carry a tune in a bucket, regardless if you like it or even if you're not good at whatever, God tells us to sing. Cool, why? This is where I would say it gets really interesting. So as I look at these three, at the passages um, that we just read and, and, and the emphasis for God's people to sing, I really see five 
practical reasons for why God commands us to sing. And I know normally at church you only get three, so today you're getting what you pay for with five, okay? So we see five reasons for why singing matters, and I'm sure there's more, but these five really give us a helpful framework. So why do we sing? Let me explain. We sing to remember, to remind, to rejoice, to repent, and to request. Let's sing this, let's say this, let's not sing this yet, but let's say this together. We sing to remember, remind, rejoice, repent, and request. One more time, get it stuck up here. We sing to remember, remind, rejoice, repent, and request, starting with remember. I'm gonna make it quick, I'll try to. Music has the power to bring us back. God has given it this power, activating memories in us from the past. Music has the ability to help us remember moments of significance, and it's obvious. I would say anytime, um, I mentioned to the team earlier, anytime I hear the song, Wish You Were Here, by Pink Floyd. I know I can't say that in church, but anytime, I know you know what I'm talking about. Anytime I hear the song, Wish You Were Here, by Pink Floyd, I'm brought back to my senior prom. It was our senior prom song. Anytime I hear the song, My Heart Will Go On, it brings me back to what movie, anybody? Titanic. It brings me back to 1997, sitting in the second row at the Marcus Theater on opening night. Someone who was obsessed with Titanic made this, like, cardboard boat and put it out in front of the screen, and I was sitting in between two girls. I'm sorry, honey. But anytime I hear it, I'm brought back to this, this moment because music helps us remember. But singing, friends, singing takes it to a whole nother level. In fact, this past week, I was um, doing a little study, scientific study on uh, the, the influence of music on our brain. And Harvard recently published an article that talked about how listening to and performing music reactivates areas of the brain associated with memory. Isn't that interesting? Listening to and performing or participating in music reactivates area of the brain associated with memory, reason, speech, emotion, and reward. It also found that participating, singing along in music doesn't just help us retrieve memories, but it also helps us lay down new ones. And this is why, first thing, this is why we sing. This is why we sing as a church, to retrieve memories of what God has done and regularly store new ones together. So we sing to remember. And we see this, this reality fleshed out in one of the earliest recorded songs, another one following up the Exodus in Deut Deuteronomy chapter 31. This was at the end of Moses' life, which if you didn't know, this story is absolutely fascinating because Moses faithfully led Israel out, and then God says, to, God says to Moses, he says, you are about to die and join your ancestors. And what's wild is that after he dies, God actually shows up and buries Moses. It's this beautiful moment. But before that hits, um, it, it was, uh, the Lord says to Moses at the end of his life, right as they are about to cross into this new season, this new river, uh, across the Jordan River, it says in Deuteronomy 31, the Lord says to Moses, you are about to die and join your ancestors. After you're gone, these people will begin to worship foreign gods, the gods of the land where they're going. They will abandon me and break my covenant I have made with them. God is saying to Moses, like, Israel will forget me. 
Israel will forget. They'll turn from me just like we all do. So verse 19, God says, write down the words of this song and teach it to the people of Israel. Help them learn it so it may serve as a witness for me against them. Verse 21, it jumps down. This song will stand as evidence against them for it will never be forgotten by their descendants. So that very day, Moses wrote down the words of the song and taught it to the Israelites. Isn't that amazing? So God's like, Moses, my people will forget me. All the work I did for them to lead them into freedom and, and, and to, to rescue them from slavery and captivity, my people will forget all the incredible things I've done. So God says to Moses, write it into a song. Write everything down and teach them the melody one that will help them remember so it will never be forgotten. And this is why we sing. First, the first step from Psalm 105, we sing to remember the wonders he has performed, his miracles and the rulings he has given. We sing to remember. And this brings us up to number two. Second reason, second practical reason, and that is we sing to remind. We sing to remind one another of all God has done and all that God promises to do. Back to Psalm 105. Give thanks to the Lord and proclaim his greatness. Let the whole world know what he has done. Sing to him, yes, sing his praises. Tell everyone about his wonderful deeds. Where remembering helps strengthen us and grow our faith, Reminding is essential for others to help strengthen and grow their faith. How? By recalling in them the goodness of God we remember. It reminds me of one of the songs that we've been singing here quite a bit at the church called I Believe. And, it, and the, the bridge says this. It says, sing it to the daughters. Sing it to the sons, to every generation. Look at what the Lord has done. So why do we sing? We sing to remind one another. To remind one another of, of what the Lord has done, to remind them of what we remember. And I don't know about you, but y'all, there are some times that I forget. Quick show of hands for anyone that forgets from time to time. All God's people. I forget sometimes. There are times that with the craziness of life, I can get my own head. And I can forget what God has done for me. I can forget who God says I am and what God promised for me. It happens. Anybody else? Yeah. We all forget, which is why being here and singing is so important because even when I forget, even when I forget, there's someone else here that remembers. Even when I forget, there's someone else here that remembers. And when you sing, I hear you. And it speaks to me. And it reminds me of what's true, which then inspires me to sing. And so that's number two. We sing to remind one another of what we remember. And this brings us to number three, that we sing to rejoice. We sing to praise and to rejoice. We sing to remember, to remind, and rejoice. Psalm 105, one more time. Give thanks to the Lord and proclaim his greatness. Let the whole world know what he has done. Sing to him, yes, sing his praises. Tell everyone about his wonderful deeds. Verse three, exult in his holy name. Rejoice, you who worship the Lord. When we sing, when we sing, it's not meant to be this exclusively contemplative, personal moment. 
of just remembering solo, but it's a time to publicly celebrate together what is to come and to rejoice in who God is. Worship is intended to be a time of great joy and delight as we get to, to gather together and remember and consider all that God has done in our time. Singing is a moment to refocus our hearts and minds on his good news, the gospel that saved us and the new life we've now been adopted into. To rejoice in the new hope and purpose only made possible by God's incomparable power, his greatness and unshakable love. And this is why we sing, how great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God, and all will see how great, how great is our God. And this is why we sing amazing grace, how sweet the sound. I hear those harmonies that saved a wretch like me. You want to keep going? I once was lost, but now I'm fine. Norm, that sounds good. Was blind, but now When we sing, when we sing, we step into a common heart posture of hopeful optimism as we remember and remind and rejoice in the new life we've been given. So we sing to remember. We sing to remind. We sing to rejoice. And number four, we sing to repent. Now, what does that mean? Because I promise you, anyone outside these doors has no idea what that means. Well, the word repent sounds intense, especially outside these walls. All it really means is to return to where you started, to go back to the beginning. And so when I say we sing to repent, what I'm really saying is in this time of music, every week as we remember and remind, it's a moment to refocus our hearts and minds and return to the God that is our source and starting point for life. Our focus for all things. When we sing, great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. When we sing this, it is a moment of recalibration. It's a moment of repentance, of returning to where we began, where we acknowledge all the ways that we have turned away from God's goodness. But because of his faithfulness and his kindness, it has now led us back to a place of repentance. We're led back to our first love. And I tell you what, this for me is probably the most powerful part of singing together for me. Because it's through music and our time of singing together I find my greatest conviction. It's through singing, it's in singing that God meets me and reminds me of his kindness, which again then brings me back to his goodness. And so we sing to repent. 
to return together to the faith promise we made, to the kingdom confession we claim, and to the new life of freedom we've only found in his grace. And so we sing to repent. We sing to repent. And finally, if that isn't enough, four points down, whew, deep breath. We sing to request. We sing to ask God to do what only he can do. We sing to present our requests and our petition for God to move in and through us as we gather together in his name. Think back to the moment we sang just a moment ago. It was that new song that was coming out of the Pentecost moment. It's called Rest on Us. It says, as the spirit is moving over the water, spirit come move over us. Here's a request. Come rest on us. Come rest on, and the chorus says this, come down. Spirit, when you move, you make my heart pound. When you fill the room, this is it right here. You hear and I know that you're moving. I'm here and I know you will fill me. This is a song of request. It's asking God to move and do what only he can do in and through us. And it's not just found in new songs that we sing. It's, it's, sung, it's, sung, all, it's sung all throughout history. It's, it's be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. We sing to request. And I need you to know that God wants to hear your requests. Psalm 105 says, exalt in his holy name. Rejoice you who worship the Lord. Search for him. Search for the Lord and his strength. Continually seek him. God wants to share with us his strength. God wants us to continually seek him. It's true. God doesn't want to be on the other side of a song, passively observing like we so often do. No, we heard in Zephaniah chapter 3, it says, For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with, your, with gladness. And this is the best part. His love will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. God is living among us. He takes delight in us with gladness. And I love this. As we sing to him, Scripture says that he is singing over us. Songs of joy and love and gladness. Isn't that incredible? God doesn't want worship to be a one-way street. God wants to meet us in our music. God wants to speak to us in our singing and strengthen us in our song. And this is why we do what we do. We sing to remember all that God has done. We sing to remind one another of all that God promises to do. We sing to rejoice in all that, that God is and his goodness. We sing to repent to his kindness and request more of his presence. And this is why we sing. This is why we sing. Remember. Remind, rejoice, repent, request. Now, with all that said, with all that said, as God's people have been singing now for thousands of years, really tens of thousands of different songs with countless melodies and instrumentations, with all that said, so why do we, why do we do what we do the way we do? Why do we sing what we sing the way we sing? And this is maybe where it gets a bit more practical for folks who have been around here for a while. And even new people who are joining us for the first time, you're like, man, this is really interesting. I wonder why they do what they do. So let's start with what we sing quickly. So we believe God wants us to sing from Colossians 3, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. 
And this means as a multi-generational church, we sing from a hymn book that now spans more than 500 years and really even brings us back to Exodus chapter 15. Why? Because we believe, like Moses on the other side of the, of the sea, that it's important to remember what God has done. It's important to remember how God has moved over the ages. But with that said, we also believe, like we heard in the Psalms countless times, that God wants us to sing a new song in direct response to what he is doing in our midst today. And this is, I would say, really, really important, but also a significant challenge. Why? Because like we heard earlier, the sound we typically connect to is what we grew up with. The songs that we connect with most are the ones that met us earlier in life. If you grew up in the 60s on the Beatles, chances are you didn't like hair metal from the 80s, okay? If you grew up listening to John Denver, chances are you didn't get into the Backstreet Boys, it's fine. If you grew up in the 90s with Nirvana, Nathaniel, myself, like you probably didn't and still don't love Ariana Grande. Nothing personal, okay? It just is what it is. It just is what it is, and that's okay, but it complicates things when it comes to worship and singing at a church because that mindset, that reality in our brains, it often leads us to say things like, man, they just don't write songs like they used to. Oh, you know, when you look back, and you look back with rose-colored eyes on the sound, on the style, on the song selection that you loved when you first got saved or you first started going to church, and now those songs are forever burned into your heart, and they are a tether that holds you back to what God has done in your life, and we celebrate that. But it also leads us often to say, man, they just don't, they just don't write songs like they used to. And it makes sense, but we need to remember that as a church, we all grew up seeing God do amazing things over the course of this church's 75 years. So our liturgy must include a cross-section of this movement of God, not just a moment. Our liturgy must include the movement, not just the moment. We must sing as a multi-generational church, remembering and rejoicing in what God has done, but also recognizing, friends, that if we don't want the church to grow old and died with us, we must allow what God is doing next to inspire in us a new song. David didn't get stuck singing what Moses wrote. The Psalms, the other writers in the Psalms, they didn't just copy the experiences and the words of David. For the early church and into church history, they didn't believe the best days were behind them. No, they took it all and continued to add to the hymn book with every generation, saying, look at what the Lord has done. They sang a new song, and the reality is God's people have always been singing a new song while simultaneously remembering the foundation they were built on. And this is it. If you're taking notes, this is, this is it. I need you to remember this today. While the Bible is final and the canon complete, the hymnal is not yet finished. The Bible is final, the canon complete, but the hymnal is not yet finished. And we can't live in the past. We can look to the past, and we must, but we can't live in the past assuming they just don't write them like they used to. I know for some of you, the hymns, the hymns that you grew up on, the hymns that God met you in, they were written in like 1890. But did you know the hymns I grew up on? Man, they were written in 1990. And the hymns, the future hymns that my kids will love and sing and remember, they haven't even been written yet. 
And so until Jesus comes back and all things are made new, we must continue to sing a new song because the hymnal is not yet finished. And this is why we sing what we sing. But, okay, that doesn't just mean that we'll sing any old or new song. We must also carry with our worship a number of filters, specifically theology and philosophy. I'm going to try to get this done quick. Friends, if a song, this is our uh, first point, the first filter for our song process and, and singing process and selection is theology. If a song doesn't stand up to the scriptures, we do not sing it. If a song doesn't lead us to remember, remind, rejoice, repent, or request, we won't sing it. Because worship and singing isn't about how we feel in response to a moment. It's about God and what he's doing in our midst. And this is why so many of our songs are directly out of the Bible. We even sang some today. We sing scripture all the time. Why? Let me explain. Because scripture is true. Scripture is true, and we want to make sure that the things we remember, that we remind one another of, and we rejoice in, that we repent for and request, are true. Even in the songs we write as a church, we always want to make sure that we bring them back to the Word of God as a first filter. And so it all starts with theology. Now, from there, as we move on to practical philosophy of worship, not just for what we sing, but how we sing and practice worship together. So we believe it is important as a church to have a sound, a sound for worship, that when you show up on a Sunday, the time of singing doesn't feel like a jarring jukebox on shuffle playing all the random hits, but rather our worship is a cohesive time of creating and participating in the moment together. And this philosophy, it determines how we sing after the first filter of theology, right? Based on the teams that we have to help lead, the tone of the service, the direction of the sermon, series, and even the needs we perceive from the con congregation. So if you remember a couple months ago, we actually kind of set up worship in the middle of the room for a little bit. We did that on purpose, uh, why? Because we didn't want it to feel like a performance. We, we wanted to break down the barrier between the stage and the seats, and our room is just built a certain way, and there's nothing we can do about it. And so during worship, we want to see one another singing so that we might remind one another and be encouraged by one another um, for what God has done. So this influences how we do what we do. Now, again, practically, this philosophy impacts the songs we sing and also how we sing, especially when we don't have a full team on Sunday mornings. It's really hard to play a big, upbeat, celebratory song when you only have two or three people, right? It's also really challenging to sing certain hymns written for large choirs to be supported by a pipe organ when we don't have large choirs and we don't have someone that plays the organ anymore. So it's really hard, but we do our best to cook with what we got in the kitchen. And honestly, worship here might sound vastly different in a few years. Honestly, it, let's let, just imagine 10 barbershop quartets all of a sudden start showing up to church here. I imagine worship will sound different. Or let's say we get this massive influx of, of Gen Y, Gen Z that love hip-hop and Jesus, and they want to sing their new song. Where we must be firm in our theological convictions, we must also be flexible in the style and the song because God isn't done. The best is not behind us, it's yet to come. As we continue toward that one day when all things will be made new, where every nation, tribe, and tongue stand before the Lord singing, Holy, holy, 
This is why, friends, this is why we do what we do, the way we do. So let us be a church filled with song, a church filled with singing, so we might remember together all that God has done. Amen? Amen. And let us be a church that sings to remind one another of all God promises to do as we rejoice in one voice, in his goodness, and repent with one heart back to his kindness requesting more and more and more of his presence each day through every psalm, hymn, and spiritual song. Amen? And this is why we sing. This is why we do what we do. So as we close today, we're going to do that. And we're going to do that um, as the band leads us in the time of communion. So band, you can come on up and and just a heads up, as a church, we practice what's called open communion, meaning if you are a Christian, if you've given your life to Jesus, come on down, welcome to the table. If you're still on the fence with faith, if you are on your journey, if you've got stuff on your heart, laying heavy on your heart, if you feel like you need to speak to someone before you take, then just hold on, just wait. There's, the table will always be set for you. Um, but as we come forward today, we'll remember together through song and through practice of communion the bread, which represents Christ's body broken for us, and the cup, which represents his blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. And so the band is going to lead us in a moment of remembering as you come down and receive. Remembering, rejoicing, reminding, repenting, and requesting. But before they do, I'd just like to pray for you, pray for the Lord's Supper, and, uh, and just encourage you as we come and as we sing, let's just sing loud. Let's get it out there. Sing with joy all that God has done. Amen? All right, so Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we are grateful for this morning. So glad that you could meet us in this moment on, on the day that we remember the arrival of your Spirit, Pentecost Sunday. God, we ask that you would just be with us as we come forward to receive your supper, the bread and the cup. God, we ask that you would just remind us today of all the good things that you've done for us and all the good things you want for us, God. We, we ask that you just lead us in a time of rejoicing in your name to repent back to the beginning of our love for you and, and God, that even in this moment, we would bring our requests and our petitions before you because, God, we want more of you. We want more of your spirit, God. We want more of your presence. And so, God, in this moment, we ask that you just meet us, that you'd lead us and you'd guide us. So, Jesus, it's in your name that we pray, the name that we have listened now, and now, God, the name that we sing, the name that is above all names. And we